0: War Report family, it's your boy Mike G. I'm here with C-Dub. We got a special guest for you guys today. Auburn quarterback from 2008 to 2009. 2009, first team All-SEC quarterback, Chris Todd. Chris, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. All right, Chris. So, listen, we're super excited uh, to do this interview with you today. Um, and uh, we wanted you to take us through a little bit of your journey from... Texas Tech under Mike Leach to starting quarterback at Auburn in 2009. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like playing under Mike Leach in the air raid offense and, you know, I think Graham Harrell ended up winning the job there and then you transferred out. But, you know, um, you got some time in this system. You threw some passes in that system. Can you, can you take us through your Texas Tech journey?
1: Uh, oh, I, I definitely learned a ton of Tech. So, I mean, I, I went to Texas Tech out of high school. At the time, they were leading the nation in everything passing-wise. Uh, we were running a very similar offense in high school. Uh, so, you know, I had a good idea of what was going on before I went in. Um, but really, uh, my growth from high school to college, I mean, most of it happened, well, a lot of it happened there, at least a transitional period. And uh, One of the biggest things was, uh, now, I was, in, I was in the meetings with Leach every day. Uh, but Lincoln Riley, who's the head coach at Oklahoma now, uh, he was the he was the quarterback GA. And so um, I would, when me and Harold started competing, um, you know, if I wasn't about to let him do something that I wasn't doing. Um, so anytime he was watching film, I was trying to watch film, I was trying to watch extra. And every time I went in there, the guy that I watched film with was, was, was Lincoln. And and Lincoln would, um, he would basically go into a film room and and he would, Turn on a tape and we'd pause it right before a snap and tell me he's like what do you see and so like like on a daily basis we would go through games and, and I would see a defense and uh I would be looking at leverage I would look at coverages I would look at um you know matchups and then he would ask me what routes I liked and so it was really kind of looking at a from a coach's perspective um what route would be good versus um Different defenses, different looks that they were giving us, and what it ultimately enabled me to do was, um, and this was really kind of Leach's expectation was, when you went on the field, he gave you a play, and it was, it was a, it was a strong recommendation for what you should do, but if it was a bad look, he was, he expected you to change it. Oh wow, yeah. So um, I mean, that was that was a huge growth process for me, is just um, kind of learning the game and, and what coaches were looking for. Um, now the other parts, you know, sitting in. There's a lot of entertainment sitting in, in a meeting with Leach every day. He just, because he said so much crazy stuff. <laughs> but uh, I, I do know the, the, the man, one of the, well, I can't take that story. Um, but one of the first, like, I guess, couple weeks that while I was in there, uh, like a, just a random person calls his phone. So it's like the wrong number. And he's like, hey, hold on, guys, I got to answer this. He, he steps out the door into the practice field and he comes back like an hour later. And he was like, "Yeah, wrong number." But he ends up talking to this random person for an hour, like during the quarterback meetings. Um, but so, so, like, the leech meetings were always entertaining. But um, I tell you, the guy was is, was super, super intelligent. He had weird ways of telling you stuff, but he had that kind of I don't know, like genius quality of, of oversimplifying something that's really complex. And and so that was I, I learned a lot there. Um, and I don't know if that completely answers your question, but 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 Texas Tech was you know I learned a lot there.
0: So what I'm hearing you saying is, is that Leach Actually gave you some autonomy To get out of bad plays If you saw something in the defense Right um, I want to ask you a little a question though I want to pivot to fundamentals um, what, was, what was his emphasis You know for quarterbacks Did he teach, did he focus on fundamentals Did he focus on footwork You know stepping into throws, squaring your shoulders You know was there a big emphasis on fundamentals Under Mike Leach
1: Hmm. Yeah, so, um, well, to answer your, the first part of your question, autonomy, um, I, I think that is the autonomy that Leach gives his quarterbacks, um, I think is one of the things that separates them so much. Uh, now, he throws the ball a lot, and that's kind of what see, people see as different with his offenses, but that that autonomy of the person that's on the field with the best view, um, he gives them – The leeway to make the best choice and 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 it's not so prideful that they have to run what he calls so uh, you know that that's really the genius in it it's that there's some other parts of it too just the the, um uh, the little the variables that, that that can be made um or changes that can be made in each play uh like four verticals for example you could run a thousand different ways um, so with one play, it could end up being a bunch of different things. Uh, but but the autonomy that he gave the quarterbacks was huge. I mean, it's just, you know, if there were five men in the box, you knew you were running 30 up the middle. Um, you know, the, the, the center was blocking over. The guard was coming underneath. Um, you know, if you had inside leverage, you know, if, if your outside backer was too far inside, we were getting an out route or a sail route or something on the outside. So it was... That to me was what really separated him and allowed him to throw the ball as much as well as much as they do, because he you don't have to call the perfect play all the time. Um, and then the the second part of your question, what was it again?
0: Um, I, I wanted to know about fundamentals, right? Like, yeah, did he did he did, was there a huge emphasis on fundamentals. Like, you know, how much did he? How much did you guys rep that in practice?
1: Yes, that's, that's that's really interesting. So, kind of the, that offense in general, it's 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 not just Leech, It's kind of spread across the country. Um, and the way they put that offense together, I mean, there's real genius in it. When you when you go back and look at, um, you know, how I Mummy mean, Leach was a part of some of that original crew. I think it was uh, Iowa Wesleyan where they were originally at before. I think they went out to Valdosta, but you know, the way they put that offense together was just was was pretty impressive. The fundamentals kind of came, at least as far as I'm aware of. Like they really hit it hard at, at Kentucky. They might have been doing it before, but they really, really, really stressed footwork and and being able to develop a quarterback that way. Just you know the the hot feet, uh, always continuously moving in the pocket. You do a lot of pocket work, a lot of bag work in practice. You um, you know just, just a lot of a lot of drills. So yes, there were there was a lot of fundamental work with that offense in general. Now Leach kind of took it his own way when I got out there it was surprising on how much we didn't do as compared because we were running some of that offense in high school and we did a lot of fundamentals and a lot of my footwork had been developed before I even went out there um he had some he had some key things that that he wanted you to do a certain way and and he would tell you that uh in a meeting but uh, I'll tell you one of the best things that I said that I heard from um uh, Chris Hatcher, I don't know if y'all y'all heard that name, but he's a head coach at Sanford now. Uh, see, I think you're you're in, uh, you're in Birmingham. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he he's there in Birmingham. He was the he was a quarterback coach at Kentucky when Tim Couch when he was drafted number one. And so I started going to train under him. I guess probably about eighth grade. And I followed him when he hit to Valdosta and and trained with him there, uh, just in, in in like big camps. But I would get tutelage from him. Um, and I called him back years later and he, he really stopped doing a lot of the, the, the arm mechanics and he, he really strongly focused on, um, the footwork. So footwork became really big with, with him. And then Leach, um, he was, he was similar. Uh, and going back to Chris Hatcher, I, I called him up one day cause I was working with a kid and I was like, Hey, I'm really trying to figure this out. Like, what do you do arm motion wise? And he was like, honestly, man, I recruit guys that can already throw. Um, and I don't do much with arm mechanics. Oh, wow. So most of what I do, uh, he's like, I just kill footwork. And so I said, okay. And so really that's kind of what Leach was doing was he wanted you in a good position to throw, uh, you know, because a lot of it was progression movement, uh, you know, across the field when you were reading plays. And so he wanted you to be in a good position and, you know, he would have those little comments. Like if you you know, if you miss this way, miss that way, you know, he'd say, do this, but it was kind of subtle. Um, and, I, I, and Lincoln Riley, who I was talking about earlier, he, he's really the one that took over. And we actually started doing quite a bit of, of footwork and fundamentals,
2: probably uh,
1: about my second year there. And he he kind of took control of that. Oh, wow.
2: So, Chris, in your opinion, in your opinion, and from what I heard, it it sounds like you do work with with kids uh, playing playing the quarterback position. When you find a kid who's inaccurate as a QB. How fixable is that in your opinion? So some of that
1: depends on the kid Um, You know, I I, I don't look at many kids as unfixable Uh, Now, the the biggest problems you run into is is, uh, You know, somebody's got a really funky motion Or uh, they got a hitch in their throat That type of thing Like sometimes, especially if it's deeply ingrained uh, That can be difficult to overcome Just because you have to have you have to apply enough reps to overcome that, um, you know, th- those neural connections in your brain. And so it's just, you have to do it a bunch. And it, you know, if a kid's willing to, to work on his own in between sessions, then that can happen a lot quicker, obviously. Um, but it can be difficult if he's only doing it with, when he's with you, but that, that's really everything, whether you're training for basketball, or training for football or anything else. Um, but just the accuracy part Like a lot of times I see that as fixable Usually it's a Really small thing um, Especially if you've Got a kid that's Already got talent Like he has arm talent um, I've got a kid That's a starting kid uh, Starting quarterback In high school Up here in Kentucky And um, great arm talent Like really good Baseball player Started playing varsity In eighth grade um, And And can really throw it but but that was one of the things it was he was getting a lot of pressure the year before um and and so and we hadn't worked together because i've been down in alabama and so and and accuracy became a thing and so really it it was the the fix is simple i kind of take it um you know i've taken some of my stuff from the past and applied it to I i did some boxing training in the past and i don't know if you all have done boxing training but the when you punch a lot of people think you're punching from out here or here and those those jabs are straight you know you're going straight at it and you're straight here and so I, I i i like to call it directional momentum and so when you're in the pocket like you're it starts with that the inside of that back right foot like you're on a pitcher's mouth and you're pushing off of that and whatever your target is you want as much of your momentum going directly at that target as you can as you can you know, put together and get going that way. And so if you can get that fixed, like I said, it, it is simple, And but you have to be able to see it and spot it and see what they're doing. And when you see a guy that's inaccurate, usually, in my opinion, it's because that's not happening. Um, usually, like, if, if you'll watch a guy take a drop, let's say he's throwing, you know, a deep out to the left. When he takes a drop and that left foot comes around to point at his target – A lot of times that momentum in your drop will take a guy and he will fall further to the left, which will make him miss to the left. And so being able to, you know, you're working with a kid to get back, stick his toe in the ground and get that, get his directional momentum going straight at the target really improves that accuracy very quickly. And so that, that, to answer your question, is is really how I see it. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to, I want kids to make the same throw as often as they can like like whether it's a a deep end like a dig or or a post or um a hitch like make the same throw like your foot sticks in the ground the same way you push off it the same way your arm comes through the same way you fall through the same way you know uh everything's the same and if you can make that happen you're going to be very consistent
0: Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. You can find more of our content on YouTube. Please go over there, click like and subscribe and hit that notification bell so you can get notified when we're dropping more content for you. We are the War Report on Twitter and Instagram, TW Report on TikTok. Now let's get back to more of the podcast. So, we talked about, you know, everything that happened with you at Texas Tech under Mike Leach, you know, you learned kind of how to read defense is There was a strong focus on footwork, you know, in his system. He gave you guys the autonomy to get in and out of plays. You know, obviously we know what kind of success Graham Harrell had at Texas Tech. So you transfer out, you go to junior college, and then you come into Auburn, right? Uh, you got shoulder surgery and, and you did what I thought was one of the most impressive feats. And I've been watching Auburn football for a long time in that you won a starting job Without a spring, without two straight <laughs> springs, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I want you to take us through that because you were actually—you have a unique perspective. You were actually Gus's, Gus Malzans, uh first QB at Auburn, Correct. right? Uh, Right, you were his first, kid, and mm-hmm. you know, he comes in, he gets hired. Right, you know, uh, I think that he had some familiarity with you before you got to Auburn. If I'm not, he
1: he, he, he had known Cody Burns from Arkansas. Okay. I did not know
0: him. You didn't know you didn't know Gus at all. So, yeah, I was a guy off on the side, he's like, Well, you uh, you had like I said, you, I mean, you so you come in, Gus doesn't know you at all, right. Um, and you have shoulder surgery and so you missed that second streak, and we're going into that fall. and that's where I want I want you to pick this story up for us. like can you take us through that QB race and what that was like for you and what the communication was like for you leading up to winning the starting job. Now what do you mean by communication? So like you know were the coaches were they talking to you at all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, do you, I mean, Did yeah. you have any indication,
1: right, that no. you, no went, right, like, what was that like? No, so I, so just to start this, I still vividly remember, I remember a time after one of the early spring practices in 09, mm-hmm. and I was outside, just outside the complex, it was, uh, I think it was just after practice, and I was just running through stuff in my head, and I was like, I. I I, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Like I just, I, I was like, because at the time, so like you said, in, in 2009, I had had surgery in the Christmas of 08. So I was out in spring ball, didn't do hardly anything in the summer. And when you're out that long, especially with the new staff, like I I just wasn't a part of stuff. Like I didn't go through drills and I was, I mean, realistically I was probably like fifth on the depth chart. Uh, like I was at the bottom just because I wasn't doing anything. And so when I got put in, like, it wasn't like, hey, we respect you for you know what you did before. It was like I was – there were two practices. It was the – I think they called it the Auburn, the Auburn practice and the Tiger practice. And one of the practices was the starters, like second string, the people that would play in a game. Uh, the guys going into the season that they were they were expecting to get a lot of playing time. And then the other practice was for uh, – I mean freshmen, underclassmen uh, people that walked on scout team, like that type of stuff so I was a part of, I was with them like the second group uh, so I wasn't really, like when all the cameras were coming out and people were paying attention to practice, talking about the quarter I was, I, starting 2009 camp, Like I literally just wasn't in it, uh, and so I just came out there one day and I was like, man, I have no idea how I'm going to do this, and I ran this through my head and you know, I, I was considering all the options and I was like, man, dude, like you've to put in all this work for all this, you know, for all this time. And it just ends like this because uh, I just I saw no way of being able to make up to the next practice. And then even if I did, there wasn't enough time to compete and convince people that I was the guy. And I, I like, I still remember, I still remember sitting there and saying, dude, man, I mean, you, you have the option to quit, but you can just stop. Uh. And yeah, that you know you'll have a pretty good excuse for why you did because you know everything's up against you, but you're also going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. I mean, you don't have too much longer to stick this out. If you do, I was like, so you really got no choice, man. I was literally just talking to myself. I was like, dude, you got to you, you, you got to keep going, just just go. And um, coincidentally, like very soon, maybe the next day or two, they decided to give me a shot in the uh, in the practice with the ones and twos. And I had a good one, and then they let me stay, and I had another good one. They let me stay, and then they said, hey, let's give them first team reps. And I guess I showed them something in that short amount of time. But I think it was about nine practices through, through fall camp that I had an opportunity to do something and
2: won the job in. Oh, wow. So, Chris Todd, you win the starting job. You are the quarterback for the 2009 season. Gus Malzahn is your QB coach. Now you you walked us through what was it like being in a film room with Mike Leach? Uh, you talked about you talked about what he emphasized and what he stressed. What was it like being Gus Malzahn's QB? What were some of the things that he emphasized? Whether it was fundamentals, uh, how to read coverage, what were some of the things that Gus Malzahn was a stickler for in 2009 as his first quarterback?
1: Yeah, so Gus when uh, started starting, I guess, the season, um, and, and we're comparing this to, to like what Mike Leach would do at Texas Tech. He Gus was it was much more process oriented. I would say that um, he was uh, more of the detail guy. I would I would say, um, and, and what I mean by that is with with like the Leach system, the uh, whether you want to call it the air raid or or whatever people running from. Olgerson at Houston to, you know, got with uh, Neil Brown at West Virginia or uh, the guys that were at Cal. I mean, the, this offense is run all over the country. Um, it's much more progression oriented. And so uh, you're, you know, especially a deeper passing, a deeper pass, like your, your five step from under center passes. Uh, those were, you know, you're going to have five guys out route around any given play. And so it was about getting back in your drop, and then, you know, kind of keeping hot feet and and moving in the pocket and going through those progressions and reading them. Uh Coach Malzon's offense was was much more run dominant. And then the passing game was built off of the run game. And so, you know, a lot of his stuff is out of shotgun, but it's it's really it's really like a power eye from the shotgun. And so you're just moving the quarterback back, you're moving one of the running backs over. Um, we'll both run the 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 tailback over and the fullback will usually be right or left rather than just directly behind the quarterback. Your
2: age back. And so,
1: yeah. yes, yeah. So a lot of a lot of Coach Malzon stuff, which was different from me than it was at Texas Tech and even in high school. A lot of his plays were more timing based, and so it, it was a lot of play action. So you you're, you're you're running the ball, you're running power inside zone, whatever you're running, and then and then you're doing play action passes. Uh, and, that, and, that, and that can be very effective. You run the ball getting linebackers come down and you're throwing routes in, in behind it. Uh, so that's really, he hounded on that a lot. Like He was, you know, he wanted to play fake. He wanted one, two, three, stick your toe in the ground and let the ball out. Um, and, you know, if you were, if we're doing inside zone, like he wanted that right foot turned at 45 degrees. He wanted you to stick the ball in his gut. He wanted you to ride it, stick with the left foot. And then when you were carrying out your fake, he wanted you to step with the right going past the running back after you had the ball off. Uh, so, like, like I said, Coach Malzahn, um, he was very detail-oriented. And, and, and really, the, the biggest difference to me was uh, the timing aspect. And, and honestly, that's really what I, I gained the most knowledge in which, because it was so different for me, um, was, you know, doing a play fake, taking a three-step drop, and sticking a toe on the ground and letting it rip. It was... Um, and when I say timing, it's, you know, when I take my three steps out of shotgun, you know, somebody's running a post round, you know, bang eight on the outside. They're sticking a the toe at 10. When I hit my last step, they should be hitting their last step and the ball's coming out. And so a lot of his stuff was more time oriented. Um, and, and, and that was what that was what we talked about a lot. Now, he also we also spent a lot of time on quarterback responsibilities. Now, now when we were talking about a tech with, with, with Coach Riley, who's at Obama, um, those were uh, his stuff were like we would get up there, we would see a defense, you would have a play call, and if you didn't like it, you're um, you know, you're switching to something different. Uh, coach Coach Malzon on the other hand, uh, they were doing I guess they were more involved in that process. So, you know, you see them, they'll do a play and sometimes you pause look at the sideline and check. So he is, he's doing more of that checking for you. Uh, So your responsibilities were more in the process of getting everybody prepped. So coming, making sure everybody's lined up, getting people in the right position, uh, calling out blocking. So I would do that, uh, having to tell the offensive linemen, get the running back ready, uh, pass along the play, the formation to both sides on the receivers. And so memorizing all that, memorizing, uh, you know, what protection, went what, what, what play, um, what potential changes need to be made pre-snap that type of thing.
0: Thank you for listening to the war Report podcast. As we continue to grow, we're asking our community for help. So if you would like to support us, please visit the about section on our YouTube channel. You can also find the link on our Facebook page. We appreciate your support and War Eagle. So, Chris, uh, in everything you just said, take us through a play call because you're saying, you know, in the mic, in the air raid under Mike Leach, right? You were given some autonomy to get in and out of place, right? Um, and I would like you to help us educate our listeners a little bit on what it's like for QB and August Malzahn from uh, offense, from play call to snap. Right. Um, can you take us through that process? You look to the sideline. it gives you a play. What happens if you see something maybe you don't like? Did you learn any of that, you know, in this offense? Can you take us through that?
1: Yeah, so, so typically with, Co- with, with Coach Miles, at least while I was with him now, you have to understand I was the first guy there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I would think typically, uh, you know, you go more in depth and you update what you're doing as you're at a school longer. Uh, you know, especially if you, you come in and you got a kid who's a sophomore and you have three years. Um, you know, I was the first guy. So I'm, I'm not saying that this is what they ended up doing. But but typically in a play, um. You know, you're look, I'm looking to the sideline. Uh, Coach Malzahn was he emphasized pace a lot. Like he wanted fast, he wanted us to play fast. And so, like I was very responsible for for keeping that speed. And if I didn't, I would hear him on the sideline, uh, sometimes in that stadium, which is crazy, but. Yeah, 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 He was he was just constantly, you know, run it, run it, run it. I don't know if y'all have heard that before. But he was constantly, he was constantly emphasizing pace. And so, you know, as soon as a player's over, getting your eyes to the sideline. So boom. And then usually somebody would be giving you, you know, a formation, which is which is fairly typical. Um, you know, the quarterbacks don't always relay that information. We did. So we're making sure everybody got lined up the way they needed to, uh, communicating that verbally most of the time to to both sides and then it was coming in and getting well after that i would get i would get the play call with that and so after the formation is set up you get the play call uh, and they would be getting the play call so i didn't necessarily have to call that out but i had to know what what protection was we'll say was associated with that pass play and so when i got the play call i would go up and then you know start with the the left tackle and move all the way over to the right tackle and you know if it's a if it's a you know a fairly quiet game then you could just do that from you know pretty much the same spot. But you know, if you're playing at, you know, Tennessee or you know Alabama LSU or something and, and it's super loud. Like Tennessee was one of the more difficult places to do that. Like sometimes you have to be, you know, a foot from each guy's ear and right. relay that, you know, relay that protection call, relay the protection call, relay the protection call, relay the protection call, relay the protection call. And then you're coming back to the running back and then make sure he knows it. And at that point you're backing up, you get in your, you know, your depth to take the snap and then you're kind of looking up. And, and doing your your pre-snap routine of uh, okay, I see this coverage, you know, this is the play we got. Okay, I think the, you know, the safety on the, you know, the boundary safety, he looks like he's cheating forward. So I think we, you know, we can get this in behind him or whatever. So that, that's that's pretty much the process you we went through. Oh
2: wow. So Chris, it's been said about Gus that Gus does not like to throw over the middle. Mm-hmm. And there's just certain parts of the field that he avoids the QB throwing. Having played in this system, can you attest to that? Is there any truth to that? Hmm. I would say that
1: I would say that a lot of, of, of Coach Malzon's passing game is a lot of it is not necessarily directed towards the middle. Now there are plays that you can get over the middle. Um, but like I said before, like his offense, the way he put it together, um, going back to I think the Maryland running game where he put that kind of piece that and then added the, the passing game with it you know a lot of his passing game was, was play action passing and there, there was there was there was some quick game to go with it um not a ton uh and then he had you know you had your screens and stuff to go with that I, a lot of a lot of his was like i said play action you're trying to get a linebacker to bite and you're trying to hit stuff you know back behind a linebacker under you know uh catch a safety rolling down that type of thing so, you know, a lot of that is you know you you're throwing posts, you're throwing digs, you're throwing, you know, a, a corner route uh, to it, like a cover two rather than throwing the, the post into a cover two, uh, a high cover two, you know, deep curls, um, you know, a deep double post. Then, you know, you have your double slants where you can. Uh, where you can potentially throw the ball over the middle. But, you know, a lot of times that's where, you know, a backer's crashing down the inside slant and you're going to hit the outside guy. Uh, There were some dig routes, and and we would throw those. um, We would throw them some. uh, But really, honestly, the the plays that we were best at um, weren't necessarily passes over the middle. And, And some of that would be offensive play calling. Like, you know, we talk about we've been we've been talking about leach. So so that, I think that's probably the when people think of the spread, like that's the spread. and so we're comparing Gus's offense to the spread. Is there as much are there as many passes over the middle in Gus's offense as there are in the air raid or what leach does? And the answer would I would say no. And I think probably why that is is when the like when the air raid was originally put together, it was very tight end dominated. And so, it was. It was back in the day. We did a lot of two running backs in the backfield and a tight end. And what I mean by a tight end, so not, he's not even standing up; like they're on the end of the line of scrimmage, uh, outside the tackle. And so, when you had that, and when I say tight end dominated a lot of the routes were had a tight end as as a main guy, and using using that big guy who can run as a mismatch. You know, they they had you know you'd have um, out routes with with the tight end. You had stick routes with the tight end. You know, five yard turnaround. Yeah, the dig route, you know, with the shallows, you're reading that over the middle, Uh, you know, you're running wide cross, which tons of people run now where you're trying to get a tight end, you know, under and then over another backer and, and, you know, hit him at 17 to 22, you know, at the hash or outside, Um, you know, so that that offense, it's just with it being tight end oriented. I think like it just it the way it happens is there's a lot of stuff there. And, and the way Gus's offense is set up is just, you know, that play-action passing game, not as many passes are set up to where you're, you know, getting one-on-ones with, with, with guys in the middle. That's or two-on-ones, yeah.
0: yeah. So, Chris, uh, kind of in line with that, right, um, one of the big criticisms of Gus's offense was that the route trees uh, left a lot to be desired for receivers, You know, we've had former receivers who did go on to the NFL say that, you know, hey, we never really ran complicated, complicated routes in college. Right. That's the system didn't prepare us. Now, you said that, um, uh, again, we we didn't utilize the middle of the field a ton. Right. Um, And another criticism of the offense is, is that it did not take advantage of tight ends that we've had come through through the years right um do you feel like not using the middle of the field limited you guys offensively hmm.
1: you know that's a good question um yeah I, I think it would be easy to make that argument I mean whenever you cut something out that I mean cut, when you don't have something that, that works for a lot of people I think it's easy to sit there and say that it, that it limited you um like I said if, if I was looking at the things that I learned I think we did well With Gus You know He, he did really well At you know Working the boundary Working the sidelines uh, Getting high lows Whether that's You know Post out uh, Whether it's Curl Flat Whether it's You know Corner out Whether it's um, uh, You know Your go out which is, which is a lot of people He did a lot of He did a lot of stuff To, to, to work that part and he, and he was really good With the timing part Of the passing game um, You know I think we're a, a that where you can potentially run into issues there is just if you know if you if you run into a coverage that that doesn't work um, you know if you're coming down your progression one is not open and then you're kind of worked down to two or three uh, there's less progressions to move through um, but but I will say this there, there is, there are plenty of offenses out there that are like that. I, I know when when Inzminger took over after Franklin was fired in 2008. Uh, you know, I was learning a new offense there, and 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 their offense was somewhat like that. You know, you had you had Borges with a you know power out running game and a lot of their passing game, and um and, and they I, I've talked to some of those guys uh, that I've that, that played receiver in, and they did do some some things differently, but just in general. You know, you have this—you have this air raid that, that has a progression that—that that, that, you know, five five guys in a route, and doesn't really matter what defense comes out. You're really looking for grass, and then you can throw different things or make checks based off of what what coverage you get. Now, a lot of other people take the take the approach that they call two different routes in a play. And so they're calling this over here on the right side of the field. They're calling this on the left side of the field. And then based off the coverage, you know, if, if you come out and you get cover three, you're going to the right side of this route. If you get, you know, a, a four look or a two look, you're going to the left side of the field. And a lot of people are successful at doing that. And so... You know, I think that's that's really the biggest difference. Now, you talking about the complexity of those routes, right. I mean you know, we, we ran with Gus's offense, I mean, we ran a full route tree. Um, you know, with, with, at Texas Tech, we didn't call it a route tree. So, um, we weren't really basing routes off of that. Now, we ran all those routes and, and, and th- some of them were different and, and we did those uh, you know a different way, but he, Gus had all the all the routes in a route tree, and we had those in, in plays, and I would say that I threw all of those multiple multiple times. Um, the complexity part of it, I think, is adjustments based off of, of what coverage you were getting. You know, if, if, if you're sitting there and a DB's getting deep, then, you know, can you check it up? Or, you know, if he's squatting and you can beat him over the top, are you doing that? Or, you know, based off of his coverage, are you adjusting and doing this route? Um, what I would say there is Before Gus got to Auburn At Tulsa He was doing some of that With those routes um, You know Example being If you got a You know If you got a Bang A going into uh, Cover 2 That's not good um, Then you could adjust that And get a route going, Working to the outside To hit You know To hit in the hole For cover 2 um, We didn't do a We did a little bit of that When I was there um, But I think You know If, if you're with if you're at a place for several years, you can do more of that.
2: So in, in, in Gus Malzahn's offense, you know, as a QB, you want to develop GoPro as quarterback under Gus Malzahn. You learn how to look at a defense. Uh, of course you get a call, but you also understand the, the, the protections uh, for that the defense, how they're flanking you, the responsibilities that you line, that you laid out. There was a lot of things that you learned as a QB coming from Texas tech, if you're, if you're not a Juco or if you're not someone transferring in, you're coming from high school, how difficult it is for a kid who's been given limited responsibilities to fully develop to where they can perhaps get to the next level in your opinion.
1: Yeah. So, well, first of all, he does have an example of that. I mean, the guy that came in after me went pretty high in the drafts, uh, uh, but, but, but to, to what you said, he he did transfer it, so uh, so we can make, um, I guess you could make that argument. You know, I so, so with Gus, I, I wouldn't think that there is like a ton of like a, like a much smaller amount of responsibilities that you were doing pre snap. Um, you know, it's kind of it was kind of hard to to see what my responsibilities were at Tech because. I did them so much. Like I said, when I was watching film with Lincoln almost on a daily basis, like I was seeing that stuff over and over and over and over and over and over. And so, um, you know, it didn't, the pre-step routine didn't necessarily feel process oriented, although I guess it was. Uh, so I've made a lot of checks and changes and, um, these are like, like my retro freshman year playing in, in games that year. Like I made checks when I went in, which is kind of crazy, but I just done it so many times, you know what they are and you do it. Um, with Gus, you know, like I said, uh, one of the difficulties with, with kids, a lot of times, um, whether it's a kid coming out of high school or a kid coming out of college, one of the pros, is, is the under center stuff. And that used to be much bigger in the NFL. Like, yeah, your kids in shotgun all the way through college struggled sometimes. Uh, and mainly because, you know, getting depth from under center and being able to transition your weight from that last step and, and make a good, accurate throw, which we were talking about earlier. Um, now, to that degree, I think I think Gus does pretty good. You know, he does a lot of the timing routes. And so um, when I was training afterwards, you know, I, I had to do some under center five-step, under center seven-step, which we didn't do a lot with Gus. But, you know, a lot of the stick my toe in the ground and, and let the ball out, like i have done a ton of that. So I didn't have a big issue there. You know, you could <laughs> – you could make a case for, you know, if, if a kid's coming out and he's, you know, sitting down with John Gruden, he's like, you know, draw this play up, tell me what you're thinking, that type of thing. Um, we didn't do a whole lot of checks based off of defensive fronts. Like I, my little brother was in Louisville under, I think it was Watson, his freshman year. And he was, I would talk to him about some of the stuff they were doing. And they did more, and I, and I bring him up because I think they were more kind of NFL-ish. Right. They, they did more of coming out, reading the front, counting the guys in the box and making changes, which are a lot of things that you see NFL guys do on Sunday. You know, you know yeah, whether it's 52 is the mic, 52 is the mic, or you know this is you, Roger here, this guy's coming, that type of thing. Um, you are calling protections with Gus. I think it's possible within what he's doing to do that. Uh, we, we did have some plays where, you know, if you had a one technique or a three technique, the offense was set up to where you could make those changes. Um, you know a lot of time they they maintained that responsibility in the box or from the sideline at least that first year with me uh, but i think it was within the capabilities of the offense for some of those things to happen now a lot of the offensive line calls where i uh, the quarterback is responsible for, for relaying the protection and make sh- making sure that the protection was correct based off of what the play was and you know that you're telling lot what to do and you're making sure the running back's on the correct side, you know, whether he's got a you know, block left or play fake and come across whatever he's doing. Uh, but past that point, a lot of that was was put on the center and making those calls and, and there's a lot of offenses like that. So, um, to answer your question, yeah, you know, I think, I think someone coming out of his offense is, is capable of being prepared, um, we're doing enough at least to, to prep them for the the pre NFL preparation, which which is more stuff. But um, I think I think what a lot of people I think the development maybe maybe where um, I guess where this question leads the quarterback development.